join us in a world where you're listening to Ballistic Radio. Sit back as we discuss hard lessons from the best and brightest the personal defense and competition shooting industry has to offer. Let us help you help yourself, no matter where you are on your personal path. Ballistic Radio is brought to you by Centurion Arms. Hard use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. Now here's your host, John Johnson. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. I'm your host, John Johnson. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at ballisticradio.com and get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, class announcements, sort of. I'm kind of nervous about all that because they're deplatforming everybody. Other things at Facebook.com slash Ballistic Radio. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. I'm staying out of that. Yeah, I'm staying out of that too. I'm it's it's funny because um I'm just like, you know what? The internet is for memes, but now I'm scared to share them because I I don't know what the the algorithm is gonna think about my sense of humor. So I'm just like, eh, I'll I'll be very quiet. I've already done that. Yeah, yeah, which is probably the point. But uh, So, hey, I am super excited. We've got a first-time appearance, which are always super cool to me because we we have, we have a lot of guests that they come on the show, and then they come on the show a lot because I like what they have to say. But I always enjoy bringing new people on. So joining us this morning, uh, Samuel Middlebrook from Red Hawk Firearm Training. Samuel, how's it going? I'm doing fantastic. Well, happy to be on the show. Thanks for having me. No, I'm I'm super excited about this one. So I've not gotten the opportunity to train with you. I've met you in passing once or twice. I I I think it's only been once or twice. If it's been more than that, I sincerely apologize. Um, but you're interesting in that a lot of people who I uh, trust very very deeply say you're amazing. And know a lot of really cool things, and you're someone to talk to. So, we're going to talk to you. But um, we, and, and that's kind of like a clumsy segue. But could you tell everyone who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Uh, well, as you said before, my name's Samuel Middlebrook, and I live in Yakima, Washington. Uh, Washington, the state, not Washington, the D.C. Uh, and I own a company called Red Hot Firearm Training, and I do uh, firearm education for civilian, for law enforcement, uh, various walks of life. And I really have a passion for helping people fall in love with learning, and it happens to be about firearms. And uh, that's what I do in my own time. And then I also uh, had the honor of being on staff with uh, Active Self-Protection. Um, many of your listeners will be familiar with John Korea and Active Self-Protection and the YouTube channel. Uh, but uh, I am in charge of our instructor certification program. And I get to help people who are already professional firearm instructors learn how to be better at teaching because that's one of my passions. And so that's what I get to do for a living. And it's a lot of fun. Now that is a lot of fun. And the, so what strikes me about what you just said, and I'm always curious when people sort of tell me about themselves or tell me about what they do or explain anything in that, like what they mentioned first, because oftentimes people will tell you things about themselves, whether they know they're doing it or not. And the fact that the very first thing that you mention is, you know, you are wanting to help people fall in love with learning. That is an amazing approach in my experience and in, in my opinion. What, I guess, prompts you to approach it from that direction? Great question. I believe that many of the lessons that we teach on a firearm range are applicable to every aspect of our lives. And when we are on a 
gun range, the first thing I teach after we talk about safety and our med plan is talking about leaving our ego all the way back where our cars are parked so that we can be great students. If I approach something thinking, well, I know this already, maybe I can find a couple of nuggets. Or if I approach this thinking, well, crap, uh, man, they're going to show me a lot of stuff. I don't know if I'm going to, if I'm going to be able to retain all this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up. I don't know if I'm going to be able to shoot well. Uh, both of those perspectives, even though they're far pendulum swings, both of those perspectives uh, have to do with our ego. And so if I can help people on a gun range fall in love with learning, what I have helped them do is step out of their ego and step into humility and step into a mode that says, I'm going to learn every possible thing I can. If they can do that, then far beyond just the firearm, I can help people get better at just about anything they want to accomplish. Now, not under my instruction, but if they can, if they can learn even just for one day to drop their ego and study their surroundings and be engaged in a process instead of an outcome, uh, man, I believe that they can take that process to every dynamic of their life, whether it's personal or professional. And so I do a lot of talking about life lessons on the range, and one of the primary threads of what I do is helping people fall in love with the process of learning. And it strikes me that if someone is able to do that, what it allows them to do is take what traditionally would be viewed as a failure or a setback or a negative thing and reframe it so that it's just an opportunity to learn and grow? Absolutely. Where, where actually everything is an opportunity to learn and grow. Uh, it's not just a failure. It's not just a frustration, but it's also uh, that final hit where you do something really cool uh, that that pinnacle of your training day is also a learning moment. And it 100% has to do with your approach, not to the gun, not to the instructor, not to anyone else in the range. It 100% has to do with your approach to yourself. And if you can take everything as a learning opportunity and you are willing to soak in all the lessons that you possibly can, man, there's nothing you can't learn. So as instructors and I and you know I am aware that quite a few instructors listen to this or people that want to get into instructing or coaching or teaching you know whichever uh sure. verb that that you want to use there I'm like verb adjective noun wait what uh, grammar ah um listen, it's too it's too early in the morning no it, 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 uh, so I, I would very much like to blame it on the time of day but that has nothing to do with it but I appreciate <laughs> you giving me that out it, You're welcome. So You're welcome. which whichever thing that you want to call it or however you frame it in your mind, um, how – I guess so, – so a lot of instructors are listening to this, and how do you help foster that approach in, in the students? So what do you do to – get people to sort of enter into that growth mindset, focus on the process versus the outcome? Because it's very simple to say, well, this is what we want. But in my own experience, the students will oftentimes, not intentionally, but oftentimes due to their life experience, the way they've been conditioned or, or raised or whatever you want to call it, will fight you on that. And, and they don't mean to. They just haven't necessarily been shown a, a better way yet. So how, how, as an instructor, do we help our students get to that place? Fantastic question. And I love the way you're thinking on that. I think about this all the time. <laughs> We're both nerds. Here's, so it, it, yeah, it kind of, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So it starts by creating the dynamic within myself because I cannot ask anyone else to enter into a process as an instructor that I am not currently attempting myself. Mm-hmm. I could take that a step further and say, I don't want to teach anything that I haven't already mastered, but I think that's probably too far. Uh, I, but I, I can very comfortably tell you that I don't want to teach anybody else or invite anybody else into a process on my range that I'm not currently trying to improve on. And so it starts with the head and heart of the instructor. If I am willing to not be the person who knows the most on the range, and if I'm willing to not be the best shooter on the range, then I think I'm qualified to be an instructor. I'll say that again. If I, and it sounds weird at first, but if, if I am willing to not be the person that knows the most on the range, and if I am willing to not be the best shooter on the range, that's when I'm finally qualified to be a good instructor. And that's how I start every – one of the ways I start every class is by saying, listen, I may not be the best shooter here, um, especially when I'm training some, some law enforcement SWAT team dudes. I'll say, hey, uh, I may not be the best shooter here. I may not know as much as you about some of these things or about the gun in your hand because I might have never seen that model before. You might have come up with some cool gunsmith configuration that's new and wacky and different. If I am willing, as the instructor, the one they've paid to learn from, if I am willing to say, hey, I might not have all the answers here today, and there might be somebody here who's actually better than this at me, or better than this, uh, better at this than me, then I can finally, in front of the class, be able to say, hey, I'm not here for my ego either. And so whether or not you shoot to my standards, whether or not you pass my drills, uh, man, that's not important today. What's important is how much can you learn and how much of this process can you soak in? I have some personal thoughts on that uh, that I'm, you know, I would like to share just to sort of spur some further conversation. We have to go to break, though. So okay. uh, right now we're talking with Samuel Middlebrook from Red Hawk Firearm Training. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at Easy Day Prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977, a legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories, as well as the EDC X9 series of firearms, which offer discriminating shooters 1911 match-grade accuracy, Superior ergonomics and concealability with modern service pistol capacity as well as reliability at www.wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with Samuel Middlebrook from Red Hawk Firearm Training. And you were discussing before the break how important it is as the instructor to be modeling the behavior that you would like the student to perform, um, number one. Uh, number two, you were also essentially talking about how, as the instructor, you need to not be the smartest person in the room, essentially, right? And at, le- at least be willing to not be the smartest person in the room. Well, so and I, I'm in my own personal experience, right? I can I can absolutely say with one hundred percent certainty that when I started teaching, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. Um, And I made quite a few mistakes as far as how I was thinking about it internally and also, too, how I conducted myself as an instructor, right? And I'm happy to say that publicly because I've said it publicly elsewhere. And, you know, it, it just is what it is. And I don't say that as a you know, beat myself up over it sort of thing. I just, I recognize, hey, I could have done that better. And one of the, one of the biggest things that 
I had a challenge with, and and I think that I think this is actually where quite a few people s- start at, right? Is being very invested in your own self-image, right? Your own self-image as an instructor or a shooter or whatever it is. And I will say that as I've learned to move away from that and as I've learned to focus on what's actually important, you know, and and I don't need to tell you this, but like the student's growth is the, the, you know, the number one thing. Once you get past running a safe range environment, the number one thing is helping the student grow and figuring out what they need to hear or need to see to, you know, help facilitate that for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got, I, I think I became much better and not that I'm, you know, I won't, I won't say I'm great, but I have improved, you know, and, and the goal is to always improve. So I probably won't ever say I'm great, but that's, that's sort of like been my own sort of pathway with that. And what, what strikes me is for me personally, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. I learn as much or more than the students do from the students every class I teach. So it's it's not an environment where I'm standing up in front of them and telling them things and they're learning. I think of it more of an environment where we're all going to gather together with the same sort of goals in mind and we're all going to help each other learn new things. Absolutely. Absolutely. If I approach every class with the same mindset that I'm inviting my students to take, then I'm not really going to have much choice in the matter. I'm going to have to learn the entire time. Right. I'm going to have to learn. Now, I might not learn uh, anything necessarily about some of the fundamentals of shooting, but I always have an opportunity if I choose to seize it to learn how to teach better and to learn how to communicate this differently, to learn how to make my words more efficient, to learn how to be more engaging with uh, someone of a particular uh, mindset. Um, I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out how can I be a better instructor to those that are anxious because of past firearm trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a growing number of students uh, at, right now that are signing up for classes very reluctantly uh, because they uh, were the, the victim of non-fatal gun violence and they have been threatened with or, uh, or brandished upon, um, drawn on, or struck with a firearm. And they are trying to get over that mental hurdle and learn to shoot. The, the more folks that I teach that have that as a part of their story, the more I can be curious about what I can learn. Here's, a, here's another example of that, John. I was teaching with uh, the active self-protection staff, and we were at a class, I believe it was in Spokane, Washington, uh, at the Spokane Rifle Club. And we're teaching a class, and I forget if it was, I forget which staff member was doing this portion uh, of the class, but we were talking through safety rules, and we were talking about safe direction and muzzles. And the question got asked, what is a safe direction? And one of the students raised their hands and said, hang on, you're talking about safe direction. Maybe a a more accurate way to describe this, instead of safe direction, is the direction of least consequence. Mm -hmm. And immediately all all the instruction staff grab out their field journals and their pens and start making notes because here's a genius phrase that I had never, I had never heard before direction of least consequence and how much sense that makes. If I am the type of instructor that says, no, I'm the guy, I'm the one you paid to come 
uh, learn from. This is my program, my company, my class, my range. I could have approached that situation much differently and thought, nope, I could have said, yeah, that's interesting, but that's not what I'm saying. My words are safe direction. No, instead, in front of the entire class, all of the instruction staff went, whoa, wait a minute. We just learned something from you. That was fantastic. Right. It's all about the approach, and it can't be something manufactured. It has to be genuine. And I cannot fake my interest in you as a person. I cannot fake my interest in you as a shooter. I cannot fake my interest in being a student of my students. I think that's what this all boils down to, John. The very best instructors that I have seen are students of their students. They're constantly studying those whom they are teaching to try to measure both objectively and subjectively, uh, man, are they getting this? Are they really soaking this in? Um, And if I am studying my students, then I am going to be able to communicate with them in the way that they need, not just in the way that I want. And so it can't be about my image. It can't be about my name. It can't be about anything else other than the students. And yeah, like you said, there's safety in that. There's all sorts of things wrapped up in that statement. But good instruction is 100% about the student. Well, it strikes me, too, that, you know, and we could zoom out and talk about this not only as instructors teaching students, but also just people, right? Most people are very good at looking at things without actually seeing them. And the reason I bring that up is that, for me at least, one of the things that I have noted that's that's been very helpful to me is that when I look at a thing, I'm actually trying to see it, not just... Does that kind of make sense? And, and I'm I'm applying Absolutely. that I'm applying that to people as well. And Absolutely. I don't know if you'd like to speak to that some. Sure. Confirmation bias is a thing. And we do that with people so often. And I know confirmation bias is a bit of a hot button right now, politically speaking. But confirmation bias is a thing with people. Um If I look at someone in my class and they are progressing nicely in one area, let's just say their grip is starting to get really solid and I'm starting to see a whole lot less uh, affectation of recoil. And they've got that one thing that's working really well. However, uh, man, they're not hitting the target. (laughs) Uh, They they look very uncomfortable. you know, there's all sorts of other negative dynamics going on. As an instructor, if I'm after my own ego and if I'm after my own inflation, I will look at that person and confirm my bias that says they are here in my amazing class and I'm an amazing instructor, and I will point out how magnificent their grip is and have everyone else in the class look at their grip and say, hey, look how great their grip is. This is why you're here to learn. This grip's amazing and then just let them shoot the rest of the day, Uh, man, uh, I am confirming my own bias, and I'm seeing what I want to see um, and pointing, not only that, but I'm magnifying what I want to see. And this plays itself out not just on the gun range. Man, this plays itself out in every relationship that we have. When we choose to see what is actually there, and learn from it and not just see the thing we want and we get out of our ego and we get out of our need for self-inflation. Man, there's, there's so much to learn about the world around us. Well, that's an, I've got thoughts on that too, but we are, we are to the next break. So hold that thought. I'll try and hold mine. It's, pretty hard most days, but I'll, I'll do my best. Uh, right now we're talking with Samuel Middlebrook from Red Hawk Firearm Training. You're listening to Ballistic Radio.
Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at Easy Day Prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment brought to you by BigTexOutdoors.com. BigTexOutdoors.com is the best place for you to find all of your everyday carry needs at the absolute best prices. Maybe maybe you need all of the Candela from ModLite at the lowest price? No problem. Spend too much time alone in your room and, well, now you need an optic on your carry gun. BigTexOutdoors.com has those and they don't judge. Glock accessories? Yes, fast, cheap shipping, 100% hassle-free returns, all that and more. And best of all... BigTexOutdoors.com has Ike. He's a good man and thorough. I like Ike. Everybody likes Ike, and you'll like Ike, too. Visit BigTexOutdoors.com today and find out what happens when every customer is a friend, not just an order. So we're talking with Samuel Middlebrook from Red Hawk Firearm Training, and you were sort of discussing confirmation bias and how that can affect the student's experience, how it can infect well, infect's not a, actually a, a bad word here. Uh, how no, it can how it can infect the instructor's perspective and sort of the ways that that can just overall impact the learning experience for everyone involved. Now, I'd sort of like to change directions a little bit and get into expectations. And specifically expectations that the student might have for themselves and how those can negatively impact their own experience. And I'd kind of like to get your thoughts on that. One of the things that I see quite a bit of is people will talk to themselves internally, and I can tell that they're doing it in a way that I find to be incredibly harmful and probably a way that they wouldn't allow anyone else to talk to them. But they're, but they're speaking to themselves that way. What are your thoughts on that as far as how, what, what issues that might cause? Great question. First, we all wrestle with the conversation going on in our own heads. Uh, I've got one. So do you. So does everyone listening to this program. And we all wrestle with it, and yet we all feel like we unto ourselves are a singular failure. Mm -hmm. I have singularly messed this up and I have messed up so bad, or I am messed up so bad that you, John can never understand me. And anybody else listening to this program can never understand how screwed up my own thought process is. Uh, because we tend to put ourselves down continually and constantly. Because of that, as an instructor, I can, if I choose to, and if I choose to see it, and if I choose to respond to it, I can see a whole lot of negative self-talk coming up. And sometimes it sounds like a positive, because we're really good at tricking our own brains, and it comes out in how we talk. I'll, I'll stop my class actually quite often. It's one of the hallmarks of how I teach. And I'll have all the students circle up and we'll just talk really honestly because I have to go first and say, here's what I feel like I'm not doing very well, um, and here's what I want to improve on. And then I'll have my students do the same thing. And it's amazing how they can spin something negative and try to make it sound positive. For instance, well, I'm, I'm not getting an alpha hit the way that I want to. Uh, I want to be more consistent in that. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not sucking nearly as bad as I thought I would. Right. Do you hear, do you hear that, that spawn as a positive and the actual story they're telling themselves? I came here today thinking I was going to massively suck the entire time. Mm -hmm. And if you listen for that as an instructor and you ask people to be honest about it and you're willing to be honest about it, then an actual conversation could take place about the real thing that's getting in the way of them learning. It's not about the skill set. It's not even about the gun at that point. It's about your willingness to be humble 
and learn something. Because most of our negative self-talk is built in our ego, not in our insecurity. I would actually this is take a really fascinating head trip. Well, I would actually take that one step further, and you know, so as, as a disclaimer, right? This is just based off of my own life experience. I'm not trying to project that life experience onto anyone else's life experience. These are just some observations. And if they apply or don't apply, um, that's, that's fine. So, but I will, I will say that most of the people, if we start like from a very early age, right? We look at how the world is set up and we look at how, you know, society is set up and we look at how even interpersonal relationships are set up. We have a lot of things that are trying to get the point across through negative reinforcement, right? They are, Mm -hmm. they are, I want to be mindful about how I say this. Essentially people start get, start getting beaten down at a very early age and it continues for a very long time. And there's almost this momentum that starts to build up that is very hard to break people from to where you you start to expect it, right, as far as in your interactions go. And again, based off of my life experience, and I, I will be the first person to admit that my life experience has not been positive, uh, especially when I was younger. Right. So the, the thing that was very helpful for me and hopefully it's helpful for other people, but, but if I look back at the things that I have learned in my life, the, the, the really important things that I've learned in my life, I didn't learn any of those things by succeeding at them. I learned by failing at them over and over and over again. And for a, for a very long time, I viewed failure as a negative thing. This was a thing that, that was a poor reflection on me as a human being or as a, you know, as a life partner, as a father, as a shooter, as an instructor, whatever it might be, right? And... I, for me, as far as, and, I, and again, just for me, so, you know, I'm, if, if it's useful to people, cool. If not, I understand. But for me, sure. figuring out that, you know what, there's, there's no way on earth for me to prevent these failures from occurring at certain points, especially if it's an area that I know I'm trying to improve in. And this is just part of the process, and this is actually the part where I am most likely to make the improvement is once this occurs, once the negative, and I'll, I'll put bunny ears around negative because we could have an entire conversation about whether or not <laughs> the things that we think are negatives ultimately are. But right. once I came to realize that this was where the you know, where the rubber met the road and where the actual work was occurring, it's, it helped me quite a bit. What, what are your thoughts on trying to adopt a similar mindset? So for this to work, we have to be able to create environments in ourselves and in our classes where failure gets celebrated. And that is the opposite of most instruction. We have to create an environment in myself and in my range where failure is celebrated. Because if you are failing at something, that means that you are pushing yourself beyond your current skill level. And if I can define that for people, if I can define that for men and women on my range and say, hey, the reason why you're not getting this hit, the reason why you're not making this part-time, the reason why you're not doing the thing 
is because you're trying to do something that's beyond your current capability, and isn't that awesome? Because that means that you are on the journey of learning how to do the thing. And that means that if you come in my class and you fail all day long and never succeed once, I'm still going to do my very best to celebrate your process. Because you might be you might be still failing, but you're failing much less than you were when you got here. And as instructors, I think one of the things that we have learned from the world and brought into our ranges is the idea of, okay, here are my standards. And if you pass my standards, uh, you know, you get this patch or this badge or hat or whatever. And we celebrate those that are growing. And I think we should. But we tend to only celebrate in our classes the folks that meet the standards or the folks who met the standards the fastest. If I'm going to create an environment where failure gets celebrated as a learning moment, then I have to hold with equal value in front of the class that person that was the top shooter in the class and that person that was the worst shooter in the class. But there's a good chance that that top shooter improved by maybe 4% today while that worst shooter in the class improved by like 60% today. Which one of those people do I want to hold up as an example to the shooting community and to prospective students? The answer is both. And so, I, I and maybe I, I zoomed out too far on this question, John, but uh, I would say that many people can very easily resonate with what you said earlier about not having the greatest childhood and painting a negative picture for yourself. And I think when we are trying to teach someone to do anything, forget about firearms for a minute. If we want to teach anybody to do anything, I think it starts with celebrating even the, even the steps that look like failure because that means that, that we're allowing ourselves to be pushed in a direction that we haven't been before. Well, and I, I have some thoughts on that, and I'd also I, I kind of want to ask a clarifying question because I think I, well, I'm, I'm pretty certain I know exactly what you're saying, but I also suspect that people are going to hear this and hear what they want to hear. So I want to I, mm-hmm. I, I want to take the opportunity to, to ask another question here, but we have to go to break again. Um, so when we get back, we'll be talking with Samuel Middlebrook from Red Hawk Fire and Training. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles, and accessories at Easy Day Prices. Visit them online at centurionarms.com. This segment also brought to you by Centurion Arms, even if you're just a cook, a lowly, lowly cook. Are you calling tactical nukes from your couch every night with ease? You need to know that your life-saving equipment is going to work, and Centurion Arms knows it too. Veteran-owned and operated, Centurion Arms is dedicated to producing firearms parts and accessories with an outstanding level of quality, functionality, and precision at prices you can afford. Whether you just need a new rail or barrel or something else to finish off your latest build, or maybe you want to take all the guesswork out and buy a complete rifle, Centurion Arms has got what you need and knows that when you need it, you need it to work. Visit CenturionArms.com today to check out all their awesome products. Centurion Arms, hard-use rifles and accessories at easy day prices. So we're talking with Samuel Middlebrook, and you were you were discussing celebrating failure. And there's going to be a certain segment of the people that are listening to this that are going to check out right there and go like, oh, you know, these are these are people, you know, they're not holding their students to standards. And and, and you know exactly what I'm talking about there. And, yes, and I, I do. I want to clarify that when you talk about celebrating failure, you're not saying that. Well, I'm asking I. I, I don't want to clarify for you. I, I will ask this. Sure. You're not saying 
that we want to accept mediocrity. You're saying that you recognize that failure as an is an integral part of getting good at anything and should not be viewed as a negative. Que- absolutely. Question mark. So. Yeah, absolutely. Let me so let's be very clear about this. Uh I'm a firearm instructor. And I want everyone to be as excellent as they possibly can be. And the standards that I put out for students, uh, they get met by every single student that comes through my course. And if they don't, I refund their money on the spot with no questions asked. Um, I'm very serious about the standards that I hold. Uh, I have set them very intentionally. However, when people are not meeting those standards, I have a choice as an instructor to see that as failure, or I have a choice to see that as someone pushing themselves beyond their current level of skill. And if I, on, let's say, excuse me, let's say we have an eight-hour class, and it's hour number two, and I put out an objective standard just for people to see where they're at. And I've got 10 students on the line, and seven of them blaze this standard really well. And two of them kind of get there, and one of them doesn't even uh, – they hit the paper, but nowhere anywhere in the alpha or even Charlie, all right? But they're somewhere on the target. I have a choice to make in that moment. Do I look at that person and say – hey, either get your hitch or get out? Or do I say, hey, it looks like what we're trying to do here is something that you're not used to doing. So let's talk about that. And how how much out of your comfort zone are you right now? And if you're out of your comfort zone, man, I will have the class celebrate that. We give massive cheer and applause for people who are willing to get out of their comfort zone. And so it's, it's not about celebrating that time. It's not about celebrating that, that myth. It's not celebrating the outcome whatsoever. It's about celebrating the process that this person is humbly and willingly engaging in where I am asking them to do something that's way out of their norm. That's what I'm talking about celebrating. <clears throat> It strikes me. Does that, does, that, does, that, does that help clarify? It does. Um, it strikes me that. So, again, I'm trying to be mindful about how how I phrase these questions. Right. I'm trying to be very deliberate about sure. what I'm asking and stuff like that. The other thing, too, is and you know this because you know how much conversation was had between you and I before this show. I. I sort of just see where the interview goes and, and sort of take it on the spot. And for a subject like this, it deserves deliberateness, right? And, and all the subjects do, but this one in particular is something that's very important to me in how I approach my own life and what I'm trying to do in my classes, right? So sure. it strikes me that ultimately we the important thing that we're trying to do, or at least one of the important things that we're trying to do is, and again, I'm going to say a thing and people are going to hear it and sort of roll their eyes because, well, you'll, you'll know why after I say it. But what we're trying to do is create a safe space for the student to actually be open and genuine about what they're experiencing inside of this process because if we can allow people a space where they do not have to devote mental energy to behaving the way that is expected of them from an emotional standpoint, it frees up a lot of room for breakthroughs to occur. Would you say that that is, does that make sense? 
That makes all the sense in the world to me. If I can help foster an environment where people can be honest with themselves first and with the rest of the class second, then I've got a shot at really helping people fall in love with learning. And I know the word safe space can be kind of cringy for for folks because of the way it's been used. But we think all the time as instructors about how we're going to create a safe environment physically, and we often tragically overlook how we can create a safe place for people mentally and emotionally. Because learning is a very mental process. Learning is also a hugely emotional process because I'm constantly having to fight with my ego in order to be a student. And if I, as the instructor, can go first and say something that is real and raw and honest in that moment, as we're even as we're starting the class, and say, hey, guess what? Uh, today, I may not be the best shooter here. I may not be the person who knows all the answers here. Uh, in fact, right now, as you're, as you're getting out your gear, I'm seeing a holster I've never seen before. Uh, I don't know anything about it. Can you educate me on that thing? What I've just done is number one, ask an honest question because I don't know about that holster. I've never, I've never seen that brand. It could have been homemade. But I've just shown them that I'm willing to not know all the answers. And I've shown them that uh, <laughs> that somebody else knows something that I don't. And if I can start off the class that way and create a safe environment for people to not know something and be okay with that and be able to say, I don't know this and I want to learn, that's when I can finally foster an even better environment where people can be honest about what they are experiencing throughout the day. Hey, I'm, I'm not feeling as secure as I want to about this particular skill. Uh, I think everybody else is totally kicking my butt on that. And uh, I think I'm getting in my own way there. I think I am telling myself uh, that I can't. And I just need to really dig deep in my own self-talk and tell myself that I can and I'd like to try that drill again. Man, when I, when I have conversations with students like that, and a student approaches the entire class and is willing to say something like that, that's when I know that we're getting somewhere. That's when I know that learning is occurring deeply because people are willing and they feel safe enough to talk about their experience. Yeah. We're coming up on the end of the show, and uh, I – I want to take I, I kind of have one more question or at least statement that I'd like to get your your take on. And we, we don't have a ton of time, but I think this is important. The, the reason why. I think this conversation needs to be had is that and, and I understand why this is and I'm. I'm not denigrating anyone that it's this way, but inside of our community specifically, we talk about you know, physical fitness, we talk about ways to be more capable to defend ourselves or respond to stuff like that. But, and and this is sort of dichotomous, but we don't spend much time on emotional health and, you know, as a community, and we don't spend much time on acknowledging why that emotional health is so very important if we're seeking large jumps in skill or high levels of performance. And, and again, I know a bunch of people are going to check out here, and this is going to be one of those things where people realize how big of a hippie I am, which I don't really try and hide it that much. <laughs> but if, in case you had missed that memo, um, here it is. So just just real quick, like, because, again, we're at the end of the show, but 
Do you think that that's something overall that we should spend more time on? Yes. And let's be honest, to your point, man, if people are still listening at this point, uh, they are most likely highly engaged because they're at least curious about your question. Mm -hmm. And I think that we so often overlook our emotional uh, capability and our emotional flexibility. Uh, We tend to tell stories about ourselves to ourselves and we define ourselves, excuse me, we define ourselves by our past mistakes instead of being curious about who we are right now and who we have the potentiality to become and or potential to become. And emotionally, I think we do more damage to our learning process than through any other aspect of our own selves. I think I get in my own way learning emotionally more than I do physically. Uh, It's not about the gun in my hands or the target or the distance or the time. It's about the story I'm telling myself in the moment. And if I on a gun range can help people to drop their ego just a little bit more and then have them come back for other class and have them drop their ego even more than that, then I think we are finally accomplishing something that can help us fall in love with learning because our emotions get in the way, I think, more than anything else. Awesome. I appreciate you taking time out of your day. I know it's early where you're at and you're, uh, you've got things to go and do, so I will let you go and do them. If people want to find out more about you, come train with you or anything like that, where can they find you online? So they can go to Red Hawk firearmtraining.com that's my website and they can find class schedule and bio and professional endorsements and all sorts of stuff like that on facebook i'm samuel middlebrook and uh would love to get to know you either through facebook or through a class awesome hey thanks so much for taking time out of your day Uh, it really means a lot to me i i enjoyed this conversation quite a bit uh you be safe okay brother All right, you too. Thanks, John. Yeah, no worries. Hey, make sure you check out our website, BallisticRadio.com. Like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash BallisticRadio. And hey, keep leaving those five-star reviews on iTunes if you think we've earned it. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe and see you next week. Don't